Hey, it's Chris Jericho, and you're listening to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Go Blues! Jason, along with Chris. Yo! All right, so episode 199, we're getting real close to number 200, so I've been teasing it on Twitter uh, tonight, so hopefully everybody's uh, got the uh, got it figured out yet. Nobody's hit it up and said they figured it out yet, so uh, we'll do behind the scenes here. Technically, number 200's in the can. It's and, true, uh, we just recorded it. Yes, so then we're recording this one now, so this will be posted before the other one. So, uh we're going on all our stuff here. So nothing to talk about, right? And we're pretty no no blues. No, stuff. no news at all. No new no blues news, no hockey news. So it's been fun. You can find us on social media. Yeah, and we'll talk to you guys yeah. next time. See ya. <laughs> no, so uh yeah. So obviously Stanley Cup finals ended, and it's it's funny because I it's funny how obviously we're gonna talk about the Jeremy Rutherford article about Vladimir Tarasenko, the jersey that's right behind me, obviously, which cannot be seen because you're listening to this audibly. Um, is going to ask for a trade after a number of issues, which we will dive into. So, kind of shocked. shocked? I, I thought the Blues are going to look for a trade that he requested a trade due to all this stuff that we're going to talk about. Is at least I say mildly shocking, at least. You know, requesting a trade is different than him than Blues being like, listen, I think you, we need to just kind of part ways because I think your your time is just. <sighs> You're not gelling with the team for whatever reason. We're going to talk about it. There is a lot of – this is a lot of – this is like an onion now. This is a lot of layers yeah. to this situation compared to for sure. just the article, and a lot more has come out. It's kind of funny how JR kind of busted down the door, and then now all the little – I say little, yeah. but all the local media guys and other people are kind of chiming in with stuff now, which is – we'll talk about all of it. So, um, Yeah, you know what? I, I There's still a part of me that thinks that this is – a pride issue with Tarasenko and oh, for sure. he, and he knew that the team was shopping him and just decided you don't trade me. I asked to leave. Yeah. You and know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to trade me, you're going to trade me to where I want to go. I'm in control of this, not you. Yeah. We're going to talk about, there's obviously a ton of stuff floating out there. We're going to talk about the stuff that's in the article uh, and from local media guys. And that's about as much it. There's a lot of like, weird chris showed me a couple of screenshots of crazy stuff floating around on all the facebook groups mm-hmm. we're not getting into that like no. that's you guys can go dig into that and do whatever uh, we're going to work on the actual you know people who work in the industry and you know and kind of go off of that at least for best we can so let's dive into it take a finals end last night a one nothing mm-hmm. win for the tampa bay lightning and chris is gonna love to hear this so pat rune has his third cup Great for him, man. I, I look. I we talked about the last episode. I don't begrudge him that. I, I know. I just say him. I think it's cool, but like, let the story be what it is, and not more than what it is. Yeah, it is an awesome accomplishment considering, like we talked about, December two thousand eighteen. Damn your sit, cut. He, 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 possibly getting on waivers and his like a ton of stuff floating on his social media about, and his brother had to come in and say, "You're a liar. Like mm-hmm. that's not going to happen." It didn't happen, obviously, and obviously oh. a Cinderella story for him. So, uh, I mean, it's pretty awesome. At the end of the day, a St. Louis guy wins three cups in a row, which has rarely been done in this uh, – In the whole, I mean, obviously the whole history of NHL, no matter what his role is or whatever you want to say, uh, the floor hockey I, legend is officially indeed. a Stanley Cup legend now. I think I saw last night that he's the fourth person in NHL history to win three in a row not on the same team yeah so that's and the a, first since the 60s yeah i think that's what i saw too so yeah uh congrats I mean, look, to him so pretty cool man it, at the end of the day it's really cool so like yeah man like it's great and i mean obviously his his place in st louis is, is set that that goal against dallas will be replayed long after we are all off this rock yeah he will um, have the david freeze treatment for oh the rest of his you career. better believe it you better believe it and you know he's a i'm sure he's a great locker room guy 
and he fills his role well. I don't begrudge him his championships at all. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Let's just take a breath, Blues fans, and realize what he is and what he's not. He's not Wayne Gretzky. He is not the guy who put Tampa over the hump. Odds are, if you're listening to this podcast, you could have had just as much of a role on that team and they would have won a Stanley Cup. That team is just stacked. And by the way, $10 million over the salary cap. 14 to be technical, but but still a lot. Uh, A lot, a lot. A lot, a lot. So uh, finals end and five minutes after the finals end, all of a sudden article posted on by Jeremy Rutherford where he uh, headline blues winger Tarasenko requests a trade per sources. And, you know, obviously blues Twitter blew up and I got texts from a ton of people and athletic article. What does it say? What, why does he want out and so on and so forth. So obviously this off season is already loaded with names that are out floating out there. Jack Eichel, Seth Jones, uh, Knetsov, uh, you could say Goudreau or possibly Matt Kachuk out of Calgary, Arizona, uh, Ekman Larson and uh, Garland are possibly, you know, a lot of pretty big names are, might be on the move uh, this off season. Tarasenko is now added to that list. Yeah. Uh, as Rutherford pointed out on the radio today, he says there's an, he thinks there's a 99% chance that um, Tarasenko has played his last game wearing the blues uniform, which is sad to hear, honestly. You know, it is, we have talked about this, that neither of us would have been shocked uh, if Tarasenko was not back in the uniform this year. But we always thought it was highly unlikely still, you know, like we were like, oh, we wouldn't be shocked. We wouldn't be shocked, but we're like, oh, like it's be hard to move them. And they're going to, they probably better chances to give them another shot to see if he can regain form. I think we were both close. I was closer to that than you. I I thought, I thought it was going to take a perfect situation for Armstrong to get rid of him. You know, I, I thought it was one of those where they weren't going to actively shop him, but if someone called and said, hey, we're interested and blew them out of the water with an offer, that they might entertain it. Um, that being said, like we just said, I, I think that Tarasenko probably got wind of that. And, you know, there's a certain amount of pride when you're a superstar of that caliber. And he was probably like, mm, I'm going to write my own chapter. And if we're done here, I'm taking the lead on this. You're going to move me because I say I want out. Yeah. So I was, uh, I'll be honest. I was, uh, I was probably more shocked than Chris about the uh, article. Cause just because he was, uh, you know, a hard guy to trade and a guy that if you think about it was a guy who kind of got, I would say St. Louis back on the map. I would say him and Oshie brought this team back from a team that was nearly sold stripped down for parts. Uh, You can say the Oshi Peron kind of started it, you know, and from there it turned into, you know, Tarasenko and Bacchus and Petrangelo. Like that's kind of the start. So with Tarasenko, that was our first kind of big, like after Oshi, you have to think more so Tarasenko coming, like he's coming from over Russia. Is he coming back? And I think ever since that fascination, we drafted him in 2010. And that trade in 2010, which is probably one of the best trades in the history of the Blues, um, David Rumbland, who, you know, obviously won a couple with Chicago as a role player, but didn't have an NHL career really. And they traded him for Terrace for the pick with Ottawa and got this number 16 overall pick in 2010. Yep. So pretty good. And at the end of the day, pretty good trade. So why is he requesting a trade? Let's get into that real quick. So. Uh, we'll read a little quote from the article real quick. According to sources familiar with the situation, he is upset with the team's handling of his shoulder surgeries in 2018 and 2019, his first of three such surgeries, which performed by Blues physicians, and he feels there is no trust left between him and the organization, end quote. Uh, So basically, uh, the article kind of goes on to say there was ligament damage from the first injury that was not discovered until the third surgery, which was done by these, uh, like, Stedman... uh, Organization, what they call orthopedics or something like that mm-hmm. uh, in, in Colorado, Colorado, which is a lot of NHL players use that as kind of a um, third party because, you know, as a to get the get another uh, opinion. So they discovered it during his third one and fixed it. And they and he obviously blames blues doctors is why he was out that long. Um, 
So that's one layer to look at right now. So that's the first layer of distrust basically between him and the organization. Yeah. I, do we want to drill down on this point by point? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think that's the first so, one. The first one is obviously distrust with the surgery and how they, the blues handled it. I look, I, I'm not naive enough to think that doctors don't make mistakes. Obviously they do. There is a human element, but I just can't help but feel that there's something else in this story besides that, because it's not like we're talking about a farm club hockey team in the middle of nowhere. Like this is an NHL Cal. This is a, a big four professional sport dealing with their highest paid superstar. I don't think that the St. Louis blues employ hack doctors and surgeons and someone else said, well, you know, maybe there was a communication breakdown between Russian and English. And I'm like, okay, let's explore that. I also don't think that the St. Louis blues would just blindly send Tarasenko to a doctor and not be very hands-on in talking to all parties involved as to what the prognosis is, what, what steps need to be taken, you know, from beginning to end, like this isn't just a fourth line rookie. It's Vladimir Tarasenko. One of at the time, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong. Would you say arguably one of the 20 best players in the league? And probably I would say he's up there. So you're not just going to leave things to chance and okay, let's say that maybe there was a problem with surgery one. It could happen. But to say that that happened both times, I, I just don't buy it. I, I, I just don't. Like, again, like he's not, we're, the Blues aren't sending him to Bob's discount surgery bunker. You know, like these are top rated, nationally renowned surgeons who deal with athletes day in and day out and by the way this is the blues highest paid player on their roster yeah at the most time popular like, player most yeah popular like player too you're not just going to leave things like this to chance and that's why like i understand tarasenko saying this i just don't know how much stock i put in that being a real thing because it just like if that's the case if if medical records are at some point opened and we can see that the same mistakes were made or things were not seen or whatever the complaint is for two surgeries in a row, whoever did those surgeries for the blues should no longer be allowed to do surgeries for the blues. Like that's just a critical error twice. Um, I, I just don't believe that that would have happened. I, I just don't believe it. Yeah. It's real interesting uh, how, and then also like, I, which we'll get into as we get into more layers here. Um, this kind of like the, the split of blues fans right now. Uh, you have the blues fans who were super pissed at the team and the blues doctors and calling like, you know, like that's hundred percent their fault. You're ruined to Vladimir Tarasenko and you know, whatever. Then the other part is talking about how, Tarasenko is a one-dimensional and a lazy player and he did this to himself and he didn't work hard enough and he doesn't he stopped working hard years ago and blah blah he's whatever. not a one-way player no he's worked on his game quite a bit if you absolutely if you, if you go back and kind of look how he was from his rookie year to now there's a reason he was benched during the playoffs or playing fourth line minutes with Ken Hitchcock yeah you know so um yeah I kind of hard for believe about the doctor thing but like you said Mistakes can happen, man. So I, like you said, there's no way we will ever know due to obviously HIPAA stuff and all that good things, unless they flat out like show something, which I never will see that happening. But with Tarasenko, it kind of, obviously it's once again, like obviously JR is, you know, like we said before, when he's writing stuff about Petrangelo, he was going to have stuff on Petrangelo and his agent, obviously. Um, Tarasenko changed agents and stuff now. So who knows if he's getting this information from Tarasenko, which seems kind of likely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I find it, 
it's really hard to kind of believe that you, they, the doctors would make such a critical mistake. Nearly can play with blues. Yeah, so the other complaint Blues fans had too is they said, "Well, this isn't the first time the Blues doctors messed up," and I was like, "I didn't comment on the thing, obviously." So one of the guys from the other other Blues podcast, uh, I was just like, "Well, name the person," and I believe he said Robbie Fabry. So didn't Robbie Fabry just snap his ligament again? Like, yeah, it was the same injury, but it wasn't because of a botched surgery. No, I mean, snapped. We have a we have a good friend. Who we Snapped played floor hockey with three times? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he did it literally the first the exact game same back. way, the exact same way each time. Played hockey so, and literally the first game back. Excuse me, he slipped on ice. Yeah, he slipped yes. on ice. Yeah, he slipped on ice. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so obviously it can happen. So when that when that came out, I was like, oh, I don't really. And people are like, well, look at Puy Pareko was this year. I'm like, well, the blue backs are backs are tricky, man. And backs are backs tricky. And groins tricky. Are, are tricky. And, and shoulder injuries are just as tricky, too. I mean, if you have one shoulder surgery, it literally can ruin you for the rest of your career. I'm not saying this is what happened with Tarasenko, but it's a hard thing to come back from. So, I mean, is it yeah. like this is me not saying this, but I'm just trying to be devil's advocate on many sides here. Is it? Is another him using this as like a reason why he was not putting up the numbers he was putting up? Is like, oh, my shoulder's still messed up possibly and and then obviously he came back this year and only had four goals look you and i talked about this a lot on and off podcast i felt like he was mailing it in this year he didn't look himself for sure we agreed on that i i i never felt like the effort was there um now, as we get into other things that he's upset about, this could be part of it because it seems like his role with the team changed. But that's also kind of a chicken and egg argument. Like, is he upset because his role changed or did his role change because he wasn't producing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So he uh, uh so real quick. So just a little more context before we move on to the next point. Uh, sources say that Tarasenko complained about discomfort in the shoulder before rejoining the Blues for the playoffs in the Edmonton bubble in 2020, and he believes the club waited too long before doing additional testing. Obviously, he appeared in four games, then left the bubble to go for the evaluation, and obviously the surgery came out. So he had three shoulder surgeries in a span of 28 months, which is right. crazy for anyone to have to put up with. I know like my, my dad had had double sh- shoulder surgery on each one, and he, you know, obviously not an athlete by any means, but still, it's a uh, it's tough injury to overcome and still do anything with afterwards. So, let alone uh, a premier athlete. Let's let's play devil's advocate on the thing where Tarasenko said he feels the team waited too long to run tests. What he's complaining about is them taking too long in the middle of COVID. He could be right. He could very well be right that the team took too long to have him reevaluated. There was a lot of crap going on in the world during that time, above above and beyond Vladimir Tarasenko's shoulder. Like, again, we were in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah. So it's very possible that the team was not paying as much attention to Tarasenko and his rehab and his shoulder as they would be say in a normal season yeah we're gonna get a monitor him yeah but again i don't fully blame the team for that because of everything that was going on in the world like was was hockey coming back no one knew when was it coming back no one knew what was it going to look like no one knew so if there were concerns on tarasenko's part that something wasn't right he should have made a bigger deal about it. And once like, again, that was advocate. Did he make a bigger deal out of it or did he just sit back and possibly wait? Yeah, if, we don't know. But again, like if you let's just role play for a minute. I'm Vladimir Tarasenko and you're Doug Armstrong. Okay. Your job is obviously to, to get me on the ice as soon as I can, because you need me to win games. Correct. But if I, as Tarasenko, don't feel that I'm right, and I come to you and say, hey, boss, something ain't right in this shoulder, 
still, I don't think I'm ready. You, as a, as a good GM, because let's just be honest, Doug Armstrong, by and large, does not make stupid decisions. I don't think would have rushed Tarasenko back. No, I, I think mean, had, look at had, had, had Tarasenko come to him and said, boss, something ain't right. I, I, I'm feeling pain. I'm feeling discomfort. This isn't right. I don't think Armstrong risks future injury, which is what happened, to get him back to the bubble. I just don't. I don't yeah. care that they were defending champs, whatever. The team was doing just fine without him that year. So, again, I put that more on the player than I do the team because there was a lot of crap happening in the world during that time. And you've got to have trust that your players are going to come to you and say, hey, I need to see a doctor. This surgery that you guys had me get or that I needed to get again, it doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. Don't put me on the ice. Send me to a doctor. And if, if, yeah. if he did that, if he did that and they ignored it, then shame on the blues. But I, I, I I'm sorry. I, this is not a poorly run franchise. The multi-million dollar uh, business that let's be and honest. It, They've Tom Stillman's turned this place around compared to what it was yep. beforehand. And again, like we're not talking about a fourth line guy. Like you're talking about your premier player, your premier guy. And if he's telling you something isn't right, you're going to listen to him. So I, I again, this is another thing that I don't know how much I truly believe that the Blues mishandled this. Yeah, so it's interesting about the doctors. Obviously, uh, the Blues had, you know, didn't take ownership of the their doctors and said, you know, like we believe we, you know, did the right thing or whatever. Right, and that started the like distrust. Basically, that was the I think that's pretty much the number one issue according to like Rutherford kind of like in the hierarchy today on ESPN Radio, and that's the number one issue he believes is, you know, what is bothering Tarasenko the most. Uh, the other thing article mentions about Hidman getting adjusted on the power play. He became like the net front presence, which we've mm-hmm. talked about many times. The Blues need that. And I'll even agree on this. He shouldn't have been net front presence. He's a sniper. He should be out on his spot and doing that. The Blues not having so, that front presence is that's on Armstrong. I'll be, I'll, I'll say that much at least. All right. Well, I'll play devil's advocate. And this is kind of what I was getting to with the chicken and egg argument. So, if Vladimir Tarasenko is out there and putting pucks in the net, then I agree. Put him on his wing, let him be a sniper. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't doing that. So are you going to take Mike Hoffman off the wing? Or are you going to take David Perron off the wing? No. That's true. You I'll know, say that like, much, yeah. You need to put the players in the places where they can do the most damage. And obviously he's going to be a power play one guy. He should be. But you know, this is where I say, like, did his role change and then the production became a problem or did his role change because he wasn't putting the puck in the net on the wing? And I mean, is it the ideal place for Tarasenko? No, it's not. It's, it's certainly not. But for the way he was playing last year, I don't know where else you put him. Yeah. Maybe it was just kind of like, he's not going to be on the point. Yeah, it's like maybe trying to get a spark out of him, possibly. Uh, Something. Yeah, so obviously we talked about the goal production was six goals in 28 games, including playoffs. Yeah. And by the way, those two goals came when game four was way out of hand. Yeah, it was already three or four nothing, I believe. So uh, the last point, at least, and if there's any more that I'm missing, Chris, we'll get into it. Uh, Obviously, we've talked about this in the past where it was an issue that kind of came up via Russian Russian media to talk Mm -hmm. about the 10-year anniversary of Russia winning the World Juniors that Tarasenko was the captain of. And obviously, they were talking about him not being named captain uh, or him you know, not being named captain over Ryan O'Reilly, and he said he was disappointed. problem is Tarasenko was hurt, so the local media did not get a chance to kind of talk to him about it. Then due to the pandemic and him being hurt, it kind of, according to, our, according to the article, became a moot topic. Mm-hmm. But apparently, Tarasenko was very disappointed that Ryan O'Reilly was named the 2013 uh, uh, cap- the captain – 
rewind. Brian O'Reilly was a 23rd captain in team history. There we go, Jason. And uh, yeah, so he was disappointed in that. And in the past, maybe in the, you know, obviously in the past, the, the thing what you always did was you put your, your best player is always the captain. Mm-hmm. You know, Brett Hall was a captain. Remember, and then he got stripped and who did, it went to Shane Corson. Shane Corson. Yeah, so obviously that happened. And then think about it, after years and years and years, the Blues never really, I mean, maybe you can make an argument Petrangelo's the best player. You can make an argument there. Mm-hmm. But you can say David Backus might not have been the best player in the Blues. You can definitely say Dallas Drake. He was, was the, the heart. He yeah. was the heart of the team. Correct, which I think that's kind of along the lines of where Ryan O'Reilly was at and Agreed. what they want the team to be like, hardworking, never give up on the puck. And obviously Ryan O'Reilly showed that many times during the season uh, since he's been here. Yeah. Uh, I get it. He was here one year, and then he was named captain. Well, two years now, but when he was named captain, he was only one he's year. He's only been captain for one year. Correct, but he was only here one year, then named captain. 19-20. Oh, he was here two 21. years. Okay, anyway. anyway. Um, so, I get it. Look, I – But, yeah, but but the thing is, a very short amount of time, and Tarasenko has put in over eight, eight years. years. Right. And so, he thought that he's put in the time. He was – remember the whole thing? Remember Petrangelo and Steen getting it? Remember that was the whole, like, yep. their oh, Steen yeah. was – But remember, was guess best. what? Guess what? Alexander Steen didn't pout, didn't go to the media. Nope. Guess what? Accepted a fourth line role, mind you, got paid very handsomely, but made a fourth line role and, ret- and unfortunately had the very bad injury that he had to retire early, which sure. sucks for him. I'll give him that. But guess what? Won the Stanley Cup and just kept his mouth shut, and everybody likes Alexander Steen. I'm not saying everybody hates Vladimir Tarasenko by any means, and I'm not advocating that. I'll be honest. I have the guy's jersey right behind me, and I already yeah. flat out said, like, got me the, you know, I was already massive Blues fans. It is. It got me even more invested in the game and even more wanting to do like something like this to be in the podcast and talk about hockey. So, For um, sure. yeah. So I mean, it's, it's uh, like I said, at the end of the day, it just sucks, man. Like you, you don't like to hear star player wanting out. And obviously it's no. not a great look for the blues. To it, have no, it's consecutive not. off seasons to have. You're going to lose major captain who is an elite defenseman. And then you're arguably whatever you want to say, still a star forward in my eyes. Wanting oh. out. Yeah, he's still a star forward. Uh, to the point about the captaincy, um, I get his point of view as far as being here a longer time and, and things like that. Um, I've always said that when it comes to the C, you earn it. It's not just awarded to you. That's not to say that Vladimir Tarasenko doesn't have a resume worthy of being the team captain. I'm going to go ahead and say what's probably going to be a very divisive comment and someone that some people may not agree with. Let's just be honest. We're in a Midwest city. Vladimir Tarasenko's English is not the greatest. He's understandable, but he doesn't speak as well as say, a Ryan O'Reilly. And I think that played into it. I think that for what everything that O'Reilly did, and I don't think that there's been a a person who's come to this team and made such an impact every game, day in and day out, more so than Ryan O'Reilly in as long as I've been following this team for the Mm -hmm. better part of 30 years. Um, I can't think of anyone who's made a, a more impactful um, debut and consistent level of play than Ryan O'Reilly. He has 100% earned to be the captain of this team. I'm sure that rubbed Tarasenko the wrong way, but Vladimir has never really been the voice of this team in all the years he's been here. You know, it was, you know, David Backus would talk, Oshi would talk, Steen would talk, Petro would talk. They're few. Know. He did, but they're few and far between. Right, and and I think that those are all also things that you need to take into consideration when you're naming your captain. At the end of the day, though, like you said, if he was really that upset about it, it should have been something that stayed behind closed doors. The way that that, that Steen handled it, you get paid a lot, a lot of money 
to pay hockey, to play hockey. You're winning where it counts in the bank account and on the ice. Does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? Does it really matter if you have a C on your chest? Doesn't put any more money in your bank. It's not like you get a new contract or a bonus if you're the captain. So yeah. I, I think by this stage of the game, I get the respect factor. I, to a degree, I get it. But let's be honest. Pro athletes ain't playing for respect. They're playing for money and championships. Vladimir Tarasenko has both and has St. Louis in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. He is a big fish in a small pond. If he goes to New York, which it sure sounds like that's where he wants to go, he is going to realize very quickly that he is a big fish in a, in a big, big, big pond where there's two of every team. And yeah, you're on the premier team of the two, but it's the least successful of the two. And if you don't win, they don't care about you. Yeah, so it's interesting. We'll talk about the likely destination thing in a second here. So just going down the article, just because I think it's good to kind of see what is uh, he talking about. So obviously the next part of the article went into, um, let's see, what is it? I guess the destination thing is next. So a lot of different ones that came out. So obviously, apparently he's he has a no trade clause, not no movement clause, no trade clause. So no trade clause, meaning he's a full no trade clause, which also – that just kicked in this past season. So if this happened last off season, the Blues would have just be able to ship him anywhere they want. But obviously, he has a full no trade clause the last two years of his contract, so he uh, is in control of where he wants to go, which also makes it more difficult on Doug Armstrong. Uh, Question: Answer: Does the no trade clause mean that the Blues have to protect him in the expansion draft? No, it's just no movement clause means that. Okay. Technically, they could put him in uh out there for seattle to take we'll see i'll take it I, I don't know my my thing is i think it's just poor asset management i think he has value i think it's going to be turned into kind of like what happened with ryan reeves in 2017 uh sure. they, they protected ryan reeves and you're like that's kind of an odd protection but okay i guess i can see it because there's really nobody else in your team that does what ryan reeves does but okay sure and then obviously you lost david perron and then the next day at the draft, two days later, you ship Ryan Reeves and a pickoff for obviously Clem Costin and um, Oscar Sunquist. So obviously yep. I kind of think something like that is going to happen again. I wouldn't be surprised for some reason if they protected Vince Dunn, if they can't get him, uh, you know, yeah. shipped off at a time. So anyway, so where he might go. So obviously he, you think he'd want to go to a contender. You don't want a guy of his caliber. Obviously he yeah. won a cup already. He, he ain't going to, go, to Phoenix. He wants to go somewhere big. And I, yeah. my thing is, it's going to be one of the playoff teams. But also, I think the outside chance, the non-playoff team, um, I think a big market for him, I think like L.A. wouldn't be something that's interesting. They have a lot of cap room, a lot of prospects. Uh, I don't know what you'll get, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, the rumor does say in the article that the uh, two New York teams are po- definite possibilities. We talked about this. Uh, I think mean, Chris did via the text and uh, his uh, best friend, two best friends that he has in NHL is Artemi Panarin, Panarin, who's in New York. And the other team that got mentioned, which we never really thought about, but is a playoff team, the Florida Panthers. A lot of cap room. Uh, his other friend, Sergey Bobrovsky. Yep. So uh, that's an interesting – Florida is a very interesting one. I think both New York teams uh, after uh, – you know, I, the Rangers are very interesting to me because obviously the Panarin connection. The other thing that is very interesting is they had a house cleaning, obviously, up there. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, they did. Uh, so they have um, their owner, James Dolan, who also owns the New York Knicks, uh, pretty much put Chris Drury in charge from assistant GM to GM and basically said, I want to win now. I'm tired of rebuilding. Mind you. Well, whoever I can't remember who the GM was there before did a tremendous job of getting a ton of assets there. A lot mm-hmm. of really good young players. They're start. They were definitely a fun team to watch. They let a lot of goals in, but I think they were on the right track. Yep. Can the can Armstrong take advantage of that possibly, and they get the owner who sees the name Tarasenko and says, "Okay, maybe I'll ship you guys a little bit more than 
is actually worth or something you didn't think you could get back. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Blues will have to retain some salary. He is on a 7.5 AAV right now. Real dollars is 9.5 this season and 5.5 next season. So mm-hmm. obviously a little more this season, but then you get the savings the following season. So um, still a lot of money, $15 million you'll have to figure out. So I'm kind of interested to see what they do there. Uh, so, but, well, one more, ahead, then we'll do it. one more, and we'll, I'll let you, uh, your point. So the yep. last one that people, the fun one that everybody loves to put out there. Hey, just ship Vladimir Tarasenko to Calgary and give us Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> I wish same, same salary and whatever. So apparently, uh, I don't know. It, the article kind of makes it sound like Calgary has some interest, but not the straight up one for one. If this was three years no ago, way. three years ago, yes. then you're talking a one-on-one, which I think would be interesting. Then I think now you're talking Tarasenko plus, and that plus is definitely, I agree. um, I threw it out there today, just talking to another one of my friends. I said, Tarasenko, if you get to keep these guys, mind you, Tarasenko, Vince Dunn, and your first rounder for Matthew Kachuk. God, I that think seems, that seems like such a lot, but, but I mean, right. Vince Dunn, you're going to lose. Right. So, I mean, if you get Vince Dunn, they're going to, they're going to definitely lose a left-handed defenseman in Calgary. Right now the Mark Giordano or Oscar. Yeah, so so I mean, you got the he'll lose him for sure. So you need to replace him with somebody, yeah. and then they get another first round pick that they can use to maybe help replace. Uh, Doesn't Johnny Goudreau want out too? Goudreau wants to sign, and they want to shake up their core. So that's why a lot of people are saying, you know, about Tarasenko, about excuse me, Kachuk possibly, and yeah. Goudreau's a possibility. People are saying maybe ship Goudreau for Tarasenko, which if Goudreau wants to sign in. Calgary after he has one more year left at seven point eight million dollars. For me, it's hard to kind of, you know, with Terrence, I have two years left. You get at least two years of service out of him, and if you think he's doing well, you can kind of. That's why it's kind of hard for the Kachuk thing because he's an RFA for one more year mm-hmm. after this year. Then then he's free to walk. So almost like he's on a two year contract as well. So people are making that connection, and I can see. I honestly, the far fetched NHL twenty uh, twenty one GM in me wants to make that trade. <laughs> Yeah. But obviously, I, I'm you know it's gonna be hard. But the Blues, before I uh, turn it back over to you, it, since this has come out now, and I made the comment earlier, it's officially the most important offseason in Doug Armstrong's career. I've made oh, this comment yeah. in the past, where before you had you know obviously you were saying that after they missed the playoffs when they could have and they should have made it the one year, and then they wound up getting Bozak, Perron, and O'Reilly and revamping the Blues. He's gonna have to redo it again, not even a couple years later, and you have to hit a home run, the best home run you can, the best hit you can with this Tarasenko trade and hopefully find a caliber player to replace him like hopefully a Matthew Kachuk. Right. So. Hey, the sell tickets. Agreed. I agree. I agree. My worry right now is that between him being damaged goods because he is and the fact that everyone knows that the blues are basically dealing with one arm tied behind their back i don't know how great of a return we're going to get on tarasenko and you mentioned earlier probably having to retain salary if if i'm doug armstrong i'm i'm taking the rest of this week and probably part of next week and I'm calling every team on Tarasenko's list because I believe the rumor is that his agent turned in a list of 10 teams that he was willing to go to. Yeah, he he's basically, obviously, he has – it's a full no trade, so he can veto yeah, to whoever. But he gave basically a 10 team that like he would like to go to. Sure. And uh, so, obviously, it's probably some of the bigger teams or at least very successful teams. Contenders and big markets, I would imagine. Obviously, Western Canada might not be exactly on his radar. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, if I'm Armstrong, I'm calling every team on that list and saying, give me your best offer. What do you want? Or, you know, what, what do you give me for it? And if I don't have an offer in hand that checks off either or a very good NHL roster player coming back to my team or the team we're trading Tarasenko to taking the full contract that I think I call Seattle 
and I say, hey, man, let's let's play some Monty Hall. Let's make a deal. I need you to take Tarasenko in the expansion draft and clear that clear that cap off of my books. In return, let's say that I'm interested in this player from, let's just, to use players that we all know and love, I'm interested in getting TJ Oshie back for the St. Louis Blues. So what I want you to do is I want you to take Vladimir Tarasenko off my hands in the expansion draft. In return, I also want you to draft TJ Oshie and trade him to me for a pick and a prospect, a pick and Vince Dunn or a pick and whatever else. Yeah. But get that Tarasenko contract off your books. I, I think that that is the best possible play to clear up that cap room, which then allows you to go out. And th- this is the other butterfly effect of this Tarasenko thing is if, if, if we're all in agreement, that Tarasenko is likely done as a St. Louis blue. It looks that I way. Think, I think you have to sign Jaden Schwartz. Jaden Schwartz and Mike Hoffman are definitely you have to bring back now. Um, yeah, I think you have to at least bring back one of them. And I think the easiest to bring back is Jaden Schwartz. Yeah, according to the um, article, there is interest in bringing him back. Did not mention Mike Hoffman at all, but it mentioned Jaden Schwartz. But right. let's just say Schwartz gets an offer from uh, the rumor was LA was really wanting to bring him in. So let's say yeah. LA is hot on Jaden Schwartz and then gives him a ridiculous contract. Let's say three years, six mil per something right. ridiculous and the blues couldn't match it. Um, now let's say Hoffman gets the same thing from, let's say Seattle just for hell of it, just to get a ridiculous contract. So, uh, so you have no left wingers. Your star right winger is traded ouch. and gone or whatever. And you're hoping I was on, I was not a fan of his, but he proved me wrong last year. Jordan Cairo looks like he might be able to handle a top six role. Obviously, David Perron did very well handling a top six role, and he's only gotten better with age. Uh, so yeah. if you trade Tarasenko, you kind of move those two up, but then you have your third line right winger kind of hanging out there. Do you hopefully move Sammy Blay over there? Do you go to free agency? Um, I talked to a guy I talked to, I talked about lat, that I've liked for a while now is Blake Coleman. I think he would easily would fit the exact thing the Blues need on left wing. He has speed. He doesn't mind. He gets in on the forecheck, doesn't mind throwing his weight around. Um, that's yep. a perfect person, I think, to bring in. Uh, the cost might be too much for the Blues. I don't know. He's at UFA now. Uh, yep. Tampa, Bay's are, Tampa Bay has already ordered the cap for next year. <laughs> and they have to, Yeah, already. So they're going to have to hopefully beg Tampa to take a couple guys. Yeah, or trade a couple of guys at least. Whatever happens there. Yeah. So Cause, anyway, because what I, what I was going to hint at is you want to talk about a horror story in a worst case scenario. This team, in a little over a month and a half, could be without Vladimir Tarasenko, James Schwartz, and Mike Hoffman. And it looks like a possibility at this point that mean, we didn't think would happen. That's real bad. That's real, real bad. That is window closed bad. And let's let's go, David. Uh, let's not David. Let's, let's, let's go with the uh, devil's advocate here. But what happens if you don't sign those guys? So you have, let's say, you trade Tarasenko just for the cap space. Let's just say that. Let's say when they retain Seattle about one point five. Let's say whoever. Yeah. You know, yep. Let's say you free up at least six million dollars in cap space. Yep. Do you throw that money to somebody like Gabriel Landeskog or hell yes, somebody else? Hell you know what I'm saying? Yes. So that's what I mean. Like you have like. And apparently Landis Cog and O'Reilly are tight. Like I don't see Landis Cog leaving and being on the top line on a team that's already, according to the uh, DraftKings uh, website, the top favorite team to win the cup next season. I would, I would go a step further and say, and this is very non me, but this is, this is stri- stri- <laughs> We're going to use one of our favorite terms in our little group, strategery. Correct. I would almost overpay for Gabriel Landis because not only are you adding to your team, you are taking away from the avalanche. And yep. that is a double win. Yeah, because Colorado is in a win now due to uh, – we talked – we and Chris kind of talked about this before we got on the air, but they're looking like Eric Johnson, former uh, number one over pick for the Blues, is going to be bought out possibly by them. Yep. Um, uh, I was going to say Gary Landis Cog is on a contract. Kel McCarr is on a contract. Um, 
yeah, a lot of uh, interesting moving parts are out there. And I'm kind of curious to see what the Blues need to do because they need so much to hit a home run sometime this offseason. If it's with they the Tarasenko trade, if it's with a signing, with another trade. Um, they and We're not even talking about the defense, we, which we said needs to be beefed up as well. So the, it's, it's a lot of layers right now to this team that it's at a tipping point and which we kind of thought this wouldn't be for maybe another couple of years, but they're at, it's now yeah. you're this at team, a tipping point where depending on what you do this off season, you can go, yeah. this team could be real bad next year. This could be in the window shutting compared to a window where they're like, Oh, we're year three of five now mm-hmm. officially. That's according to Armstrong and, and Tom Stillman, we're in year three of five. Yep. That could be sped up to year five of five. Like this <laughs> is the last chance. Or year uh, eight of five. Yeah. So like you need to air draft your prospect pool is pretty crappy at this point. Um you got a first round pick this year, it's kind of high. I've seen a couple of we'll get into the draft stuff close to the draft. Mm-hmm. Blues are all over the place right now. Like I had the uh Athletic had an article today, and the Blues took the top-rated goalie at number 16, 17 today, which is crazy. That's weird. Yeah, but, but it was one of those things where he fell that far, and they're like, yeah, he was supposed to be a top-10 pick. You can't pass up something like this, you know, and then you can trade one of your Colton Ellis or Joel Hoffer down the line, you know. if you, yeah. It's never not a, not a bad thing to have too many really great goalies. But I'm like, well, it's great to keep the puck out of the net, but you also got to score, too, and stop the puck from getting in your yes, zone. Yes, you do. Yes, you so, do. A lot of interesting parts uh, there. So we talked about this. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep coming to you with any Tarasenko news. Um, you know, obviously, a little, we'll do a little peek behind the curtain here. So Chris and I were supposed to record last night. Mm-hmm. We had all planned to record. Uh, luckily for me, Chris got very busy <laughs> with work. So Chris uh, ran over and he's like, hey, man, I'm busy. Can record tomorrow. And I said, cool. No problem. About 45 minutes later the uh, story broke. So I'm really happy, kind of happy that she worked out for once. Cause normally we record stuff happens. Um, so, well, we got that. So obviously the like finals are over Tampa Bay lightning or champions. Once again, back to back first time since uh, Chicago did it. Uh, Pittsburgh. Mm, didn't Chicago do a reason? No, Chicago did every other. You're correct. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Excuse me. Uh, so Pittsburgh, I was had their back to backs and then Chicago had the every other year for that yep. five year period. Uh, so let's see. Let's do the really downer news. <laughs> we already had downer news with the Blues, but don't get me wrong. This is a lot more of a downer news. Oh boy! Uh, so obviously, Fourth of July happened, and this is this is just awful. This is at the end. It is just like gut wrenching. So uh, Matthias Matthias uh, Kivalinkis, who is a goalie for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, 24 years old, which is even sadder, man, um, died on the 4th of July. And there's a Blues connection to this. This is why I'm going to dive into it. Um, so first off, it was I kind of broke that this, this guy passed away, which is sad in itself. Um, it was a fireworks accident. The first thing was revealed that he slipped getting out of a hot tub to get away from a firework, and he hit his head and passed away, which is awful. So um, did you hear the update, though, Chris? I heard that it was uh, trauma to the chest, which makes me Correct. think that he took the fireworks. He took, the, the he took, a, took a mortar shell to the chest, oh. which is awful. So they said it was uh, obviously stuff to his heart and lungs, uh, trauma to his heart and lungs that caused him to pass away. Not the He did hit his head, apparently, but that was not the reason that he passed away, which is very right. awful and sad. So um, the reason why, obviously, that's the big news that was all over not only NHL news, it was all over, you know, social media and world news got headlines all over the place. Um, the big, the thing why it's the St. Louis one is the goalie coach, the house that he was at. Uh, so house that he's at was at Manny legacy's house, former, former St. Louis blues goalie. That's oh, correct. That. Manny legacy is the Columbus blue jackets goalie. So goalie coach, excuse me. And he uh, had uh, Elvis Murray's Lincoln's, and uh, him and Matias Kipolinkas uh, as the you know at his house for Fourth of July, and they just sure the place one hundred percent rule this an accident. They have one hundred percent, but they are, said they're very confident it was just a very freak accident and just a very yeah. sad thing. Uh, so <sighs> thoughts and uh, prayers out to his family, the Columbus Blue Jacket organization, and all his friends and teammates. Uh, it seemed like a lot of um, a guy that was getting ready to take off 
possibly make yeah. the team probably make the team this year as a backup because they're going to trade one of their goalies. Um, so it's going to be uh, just getting his career started and unfortunately cut short. So very sad news there. Fireworks are uh, they're no joke, man. I know that we all enjoy the Fourth of July, and God knows out here in St. Charles County, fireworks are everywhere. It sounds like a war zone the week leading into and the weekend following the Fourth of July. But I mean, you know, you have this, you know, a few years ago in the NFL with Jason Pierre Paul blowing off a handful or a couple of his fingers with a fireworks accident. Like, you know, we have a lot of freedoms in this country and sometimes we take them for granted and we don't realize how thin of a line it is um, between life and death. And you're dealing with explosives and a lot of times explosives and, and alcohol. And, um, you know, we're past the 4th of July, so it's, I'm not going to tell everyone to be careful because it's, it's in the past, but just, you know, it's something to think about whenever these holidays roll around where fireworks are around, um, just everyone use some common sense because even you can take every precaution in the world and you never know if, if a firework is packed wrong or whatever malfunctions happen we've all seen youtube videos of multi-million dollar displays blowing up on the launch pad so yeah, leave it sad. to the professionals kids leave it to yeah. the professionals yeah, sad uh, sad thing and yeah there's a lot of news uh, out there so sad thing thing so we don't want to really end on that but no. uh, unfortunately i uh so we'll be having coming up real quick on our schedule here so obviously with the now things are going to start ramping up so off season wise. So starting we're recording at what time is it right? About nine o'clock uh Thursday night. So mm-hmm. almost twenty-four hours after the NHL final finals ended, meaning buyouts can start. The buyout window is starting twenty-four hours after the finals. So buyouts will start eh, I think Friday morning. So maybe by the time I have this up, I'm hopefully trying to get this up later tonight. If not, I'll have it up over the weekend. So are the Blues still the only team in the NHL not to utilize the buyout? I want to say there's probably some out there. I'll be honest with you, but just but off the top of my head, I want to say there's probably I would say there's so many teams. I don't think every single team has used it. I think there has to be at least one or two teams that haven't used it. Right. There's some there's some teams like the New York Rangers that do it every off season. Yeah, where it's just like they don't care, which is why I, we talked about the Terry single thing. I think there's a good chance he goes there because I think their owner is going to be like, hey, give me that guy because. That's a name I can market around. That's a name. You better believe Panarin has already called the GM and the owner and said, oh, and said, there. Hey, get him in there. I mean, apparently it, this isn't like Tarasenko requested the trade Wednesday night and Arthur put the article out, or excuse me, Tuesday night and Arthur put the article out Wednesday night. It's barely yeah. been going on for, he's been quietly shot for a while, according to the article. Um, but a lot of GMs just have to no interest right now, which is going to be hard for the blues. And it's, uh, you know, to do yep. so with the flat cap is another thing to factor into the, everything too yeah um, so it'd be uh, once again a very interesting off season uh so july 21st is the expansion draft day so the blues need to have their uh excuse me their list submitted it'll be revealed on july 18th uh they submitted july 17th so something might like remember last time it leaked out david perron was getting picked like the day before yeah. Like he knew he was getting picked and it got leaked out. So when they had the whole draft special, half the team you knew was getting, you know, you knew yeah. who was already getting drafted basically. So we might know who the blues are picking then. I think we'll probably have another show before then we'll give our final protection list uh, yeah. there. And then we also have the entry draft coming up, which is the 23rd, two days after the expansion draft. Uh, I think we'll just, we usually do like a live show for one of the two. I think we're going to push for the expansion draft if that so. works. And I think that'll be more fun. Uh, so we'll do a live show uh, there, or at least live to tape maybe. So, and then free agency opens shortly after that. And that's when the fun starts. And then uh, we'll see how things go. Uh, short off season. The blue, it's going to be start about the same time. I mean, obviously. October, you know, right? Uh, this, they said double digits is what <laughs> Batman said, so you're looking October 10th through 19th is when it's starting. So All right. a, basically a week later than normal about, they usually start the first week of October. And yeah. so this starts to basically get extra week in this off season, even though they're just ending almost on July 4th, which is weird to say. So remember the blues when they had theirs was, uh, was it June 20th? Yeah. June so it was, 
June 12th, excuse me. So it's like not, you know, it's about a month later. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little amount, a month less for. They're getting there. They're getting there. So I th- hopefully we get things uh, back in order and it looks like, uh, you know, slowly but surely uh, things will get back to normal. Everybody gets back in the building. Yep. Uh, we good times. So after that, uh, we'll try to give you as much uh, blues news that comes up. Uh, but that's kind of the our projected plan for right now is. So uh, let's get into our socials and where to find us as we wrap up the show. Uh, for Twitter, it is at Blues Hockey NHL. I'm at Hossapalooza. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram for Blues Hockey Podcast. Also, check out our website, blueshockeypodcast.net. That has links to where you can find and download. You can listen to the, our show there, but you can also download it from the links there from Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Pocket Cast, Amazon Music, uh, all of anywhere there's music. You can find a podcast, whatever podcasting app you're using, Google Play. We are on all those. So go ahead and check that out there. Also on the website, you can find links to lots of other stuff, including our merchandise tab, which I don't talk about that enough for some reason. Uh, but you also can find, most importantly, our sponsors. So first off, Rockstar Taco Shack. Will had a nice vacation. He is back and rocking at Rockstar Taco Shack. You know what I did there? Nice little pun. Well done. Thank you. So uh, he's back and uh, doing the taco thing again. So go ahead and check them out in uh, Newtown off Rue, Rue Royale Street, right next to the kind of open amphitheater they have there. Mm-hmm. So it's a really nice setup and uh, awesome food as always. So remember, catch them out there. I think Thursday is their quesadilla uh, special day. Yep. This week, I don't see what it is. So, uh, But he's got a lot of good stuff going on. So the second one I'll talk about is Lucky Lola's. And look at luckylolasfoods.com. You can find their sweet jalapeno heat along with their salmon rub. And there who doesn't like salmon rub correct correct phrasing too uh they're lucky lola's sweet heat brats at uh exclusively at kenrick so go ahead and we'll be also announcing on not the next podcast which is number 200 which we'll talk about that in two seconds here and but the next one we'll talk about our winner from the bracket challenge and it will give away the lucky lows and all the like little package uh, we had for the bracket challenge i will announce that and we'll give that away uh, on episode 201. So uh, go to Lucky Lola's. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram uh, for any more information you need of where to find their stuff. And it's also at Schnooks, I believe. So Kenrick's and Schnooks are two places to find, along with a lot of other places. But around St. Louis, I think it's the most prominent places. So last but not least, DraftKings, use the code THPN. That's for the Hockey Podcast Network. And that's where we're on. You find a lot of good podcasts there, but go to DraftKings and use THPN today and you get a bunch of bonuses when you first sign up, but you also get weekly bonuses if you already have an account. So use that every week and go ahead. Hey, if you want to put a bet on the blues, the blues right now have a plus 3,500 to win the Stanley, uh, win the Stanley cup next year. They're about, about number 19 in the pack out of 32. So we're not even halfway right now. So that tells you where we're looking at right now is in regards to where we uh, think we might finish. So hopefully the Blues can uh, do some damage this offseason and make make that number a little better and be more closer to the Vegas than the uh, Colorados. So I think that's everything I got. So we'll do our uh, big announcement for episode number 200. So we've made it 200 episodes, Chris, after. That's crazy. Yeah, so um, had a little tease on the Twitters tonight, and but we'll, we'll make the announcement here so you guys can tune in when it's time so we had the privilege of talking to uh, can we say we say local music legend is that, oh, that sure. good? i For think sure. it's, i think he is in that category right so i'm sure he wouldn't mind us saying that but uh steve ewing of the urge will be on the show next time for episode our big episode number 200 steve ewing will be here to talk about not only his music um, you know stuff from the urge uh not only steve's hot dogs which is down off uh magnolia street avenue magnolia avenue excuse me We'll talk about that and kind of the genesis of how we came up with that idea. And then also for our blues can obviously the blues podcast, we are going to talk about the blues goal song, which is done by the urge. So uh, yeah. really fun show next week. So uh, stay tuned for that. So thanks for tuning in this week. Like I said kind of a downer episode almost overall, but uh, lots of to talk about, I think so. It's definitely a sky is falling episode. That's for sure. That's for sure. But thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.